Unfound is brought to you by the generous listeners at Patreon, PayPal, and YouTube, along with our gracious advertisers. Evelyn Louise Parker was a 54-year-old from Columbus, Georgia. She was very generous and had worked in the military. On November 30th, 1994, Evelyn, despite being single, told her daughter she was flying to Israel to get married. Days later, Evelyn's car was found at the local airport. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. To start out 2023 with like the biggest cliche ever, communication is the key to life. For work, for play, for relationships, not sure if those are work or play, even the internal dialogues we have with ourselves. Yet communication sometimes is not so blatant. Sometimes it's subtle. A gesture, a person's posture, Yes, saying something but using an inflection that is unusual, it all means something. And yes, this is true even in disappearances. We have had cases on Unfound where we look back at what the missing person said and did before disappearing and wonder if all was as it seemed. Did the last trusted witness catch everything that person was trying to convey? Some of these... Pamela Golden, Mandy Stokes, Chance Engelbert, and more recently, Paris Hobson. Really, those four only scratch the surface of the ones Unfound has covered. Well, with the disappearance of Evelyn Piper, we have to decide if what she said was the truth or not. Or was there something in her communication that was more than words? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Linus's website, charlieproject.org. Evelyn Piper found a way to live a prosperous, wholesome life despite setbacks and even a tragedy occurring to her. She was divorced twice, with one of those men still going in and out of her life despite them not having any children together. Evelyn took an early retirement to start her own business where she excelled, providing for herself and others despite working and living alone. But the single thing that defined the few years before her disappearance was the tragic accidental death of one of Evelyn's sons. Because of it, Evelyn received a huge cash settlement which she in turn gave to her family and church. So, on November 30th, 1994, Evelyn called her daughter Debbie to talk. They spoke for a while, then hung up. But only 15 minutes later, Evelyn called back to say she was going to Israel to get married. The daughter took this as a joke, since Evelyn was not dating anyone. However, Evelyn had spoken about wanting to visit that country for some time. 
the two hung up for a second time. Evelyn was never seen or heard from again. Days later, once the family figured out Evelyn was missing, Debbie with her husband discovered Evelyn's car at the local airport, seemingly proving that Evelyn had not been joking about getting married in Israel. However, no records show that Evelyn ever got on a plane that day or any other. In a way, and coincidentally, we start 2023 where we left off at the end of 2022, trying to figure out if a car left abandoned was put there by the owner or by someone else. Given that I compiled those statistics for you in the coverage of the Colonial Parkway disappearances, I hope you will keep them in mind as you also try to answer these three questions during the interviews. Number one, why didn't Evelyn bring up going to Israel during the first phone call on November 30th? Number two, if someone was with Evelyn during the second phone call, why would that person allow her to make that call at all? And number three, Evelyn alone was seen at her bank on the same November 30th day. If someone were forcing her to be there, why did Evelyn not tell the bank employees? Evelyn's family firmly believes foul play occurred given the totality of the circumstances. The guests for this episode are Debbie Moore, daughter of Evelyn, and Millie Potter, Evelyn's sister. Unfound News Many of you will be happy to hear that I finally opened up the comments sections for most of Unfound's videos on YouTube. They will all remain open as long as the troll factor can be minimized. We'll see how it goes. Next, I had a great conversation with someone who could become a new assistant in the area of marketing for Unfound. To this point, the podcast has relied on word of mouth but it may be time to spread the wings a bit. Finally, I won't give the exact number, but Unfound had over 1 million downloads for 2022. Yes, some podcasts have many more, but still, that is a crazy amount. Thank you to all of you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound. Actually, I'm interviewing two people together for this episode. First, we have Millie Potter, the sister of Evelyn, and Debbie Moore, the daughter of Evelyn. Millie and Debbie, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Let's start here. Um, We'll just start with uh, Millie. Tell the listeners a little bit about the uh, Piper family you know how many um you are evelyn's sister how many brothers and sisters does she have where did where does evelyn fall in the line um let's start there okay our last name was kiermeyer 
uh, and uh, we had one brother and one sister. So there's three of us. Okay. And uh, my my dad came from Germany, and wow, and uh, it was a cool, cool thing. Huh. So you're so Evelyn, your uh, your father was born actually in Germany, and he he emigrated to the United States. Right, he was fifteen when he came to Germany or from Germany. Wow. Okay. And uh, did he uh, teach you any German when you were growing no. up? Did he speak no. still speak any German? He what? Was, my mother uh, also grew up in a German community in Wisconsin, and she spoke in her German, and he spoke in German, so. Mm-hmm. They didn't teach us in case they wanted to talk between them, and we couldn't understand <laughs> that way. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, what a story! I love that story. All right, well, that I didn't know where that was going, but now that's very clear. Okay, um, so uh, they never had taught you German, so they could speak with them amongst themselves. Right. right. Oh my! And Evelyn and I were sixteen months apart. Oh, okay, and I'm so, sorry. It was very she close, very close. Okay. Okay. Oh, um, where was Evelyn in line? Oldest, youngest, middle? The oldest. The oldest. Okay. Very good. All right. And uh, so that was the family. The uh, main name was Kiermaier. Very German name. Of course, I have a very German last name as well. But uh, my uh, ancestors came to the United States well, well back into the 1800s. A little bit different there. So, okay. So... He actually came over... He had to be adopted to come over mm-hmm. by his uncle wow. in order to be sponsored over here. So his his real name was Shane Berger, and his huh. uncle was Kiermaier. Wow, so okay. So that's how he became a Kiermaier. Okay, very good. All right, and uh, so we know a little bit about the family. Um, kind of, I guess, um, Evelyn then would have been a second-generation uh, American, I guess you, you would say. And uh, let's just move on to talking a little bit about her. Now we'll move on to Debbie. What do you remember? Uh, what are some of the things that uh, strike you uh, about your mother, Evelyn, personality? What kind of mother was she? Was she a disciplinarian, laid back? How was she? She didn't take any guff off of anybody. No. <laughs> yeah. But she, she was, you know, she, she had... <laughs> She had us do what we needed to do. Um, I, I being the only girl, mm-hmm. I did most of the housework and everything else. And the mm-hmm. boys just—they got away with everything. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I need to ask you this: If you were the only girl, how many children does uh, Evelyn have? Two boys and a girl. The oldest boy is deceased. That's oh. Stephen's father. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, all right, and we're going to talk about that uh, in a little bit. All right, so two boys and a girl, and um, of course we know that Evelyn, and did she re- end up raising all three of you as a single mother, or was she still married at no. that point, or, or what was what was the situation? My father was a preacher, and then he gave up preaching huh. and went to driving a truck, and from there, he was on the road all the time. Oh, okay. So things deteriorated, and they decided to go their separate ways. Right. Okay. What, and what year was that? Yeah, and what year was that? 
Um, just approximately, was it in the 1980s, 1970s? I think it was 86, wasn't it, Aunt Millie? And I can't tell you an exact date. I know she got married February 14th of 88 to Larry. Mm. Okay. All right, so uh, she got divorced sometime in the mid-1980s and then got married again in 1988. And we're going to talk about uh, Larry in a little bit. Um, maybe we'll go back to Millie. Millie, what did uh, Evelyn do for work? Uh, being that she's raising, uh, she has these children. Uh, what we, we just heard that um, Debbie's father was a, uh, became a trucker, I guess. What did Evelyn do? Well, mainly she worked for the government in different places. Mm -hmm. She was working at Fort Benning, I think, when she passed away or when she disappeared. Oh, okay. And didn't she also have some sort of um, business? Or, or yes. Of course, we're going to talk about the car a little bit later, but th there was things that she, like vending machines or something? or Right. And jewelry. Oh. And makeup. makeup. <laughs> and makeup as well. Okay. Well, it wasn't actually vending machines. Mm -hmm. It was the little honor boxes that... They put on cat counters in stores where you had candy in it. Oh, yeah, right. And it was to help find missing children. Wow, that's uh, coincidental. All right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right, so um, she gets divorced. She gets married again. She's working for the government, uh, working on a military base, but then doing these things on the side as well. She actually took early retirement, mm -hmm. and um, with the whatever she had saved her four hundred one k or whatever it was, mm -hmm. she she took all of her savings and went and put it into her business, which was her Premier Designs Jewelry. Mm -hmm. Her beauty was it? No, she was in Mary Kay. Beauty Control Cosmetics. Beauty Control Cosmetics. One of the two. And. And the uh, honor bosses. Okay. So she retired early and then started kind of working for herself. Right. Okay. What kind of uh, personality, uh, being that you were her sister, Millie, what kind of personality would you say that Evelyn had? Being that she went into Mary Kay and jewelry, she must have considered to be saw herself to be a little bit of a, a salesperson, very outgoing, extrovert. What do you think? Well, she was very smart. She was, you know, she was ahead of her class. Uh, mm -hmm. She uh, always stayed in the house with mother, and I went outside with my dad. I was at the tomboy, and she was a stay-at-home in, inside. So, but uh, you know, she left home when she was eighteen. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't around her that much after after they got married and left. Cause they got married right out of high school. Right. So, uh, but she had a good head on her shoulder as far as business is concerned, and I'm sure that's why she went into those businesses. Okay. <laughs> All right. She enjoyed and, doing that. Okay. And at the time of her disappearance in 1994, we'll go back to Debbie, uh, what was the her living situation? Was she living by herself? Was she living with any of, of her children? Um, you know, were you, uh, any of either of you or anybody else in your family lived close to her? What was her living situation at that time? I was living in South Carolina. Well, no, we had just moved back from South Carolina. Mm -hmm. We moved back in September 
and she was living by herself and I had given her a key to my house so that if she was out, you know, doing her shows or whatever, if she needed to stop and change clothes or something, or mm. if she wanted to come to see us, she could come on over and come on in. Mm-hmm. And, um, mom, she had a house over in Phoenix City, Alabama, and, uh, Mm-hmm. She, it was three bedrooms, two baths, living wow. room, dining room, kitchen, and den. Huh. Swimming pool out in the backyard. Wow, she was doing well. About a half acre lot. Nice. Um, now it's a daycare. <laughs> okay. All right, well, we have to remember, yeah, this disappearance is uh, 29 years old. It's a thing, you know, buildings change, I guess. But okay. Yeah. All right, so she had this nice house living by herself. Um, didn't have any pets? Nope. No she, pets. She hadn't had any pets in several years when, after her last one passed away, she decided she wasn't going to get any more. Okay. So. All right. So we got a little, uh, I think a pretty decent idea about, uh, Evelyn and personality, work, family, living situation, and, um, that's all going to play a role, uh, eventually you know, when we get to the circumstances of her disappearance. Let's move on to this. In the outline, I, I call these the issues, uh, I, the things that certainly, um, you know, we need to think about uh, as we continue through the rest of this interview. Uh, I think, Debbie, you've already mentioned him, and so I'll, um, I'll give you a chance first to talk about this, and then we'll move to Millie. But Larry Downing, we're just going to talk about him in general terms. Of course, we're going to talk to him about him a lot later. But uh, you already mentioned that they got married in 1988. How did she and Larry meet? Uh, had she known him a long time? What, what, what was the situation? She met him. <clears throat> she met him through me. Okay. He was my ex-boyfriend. Wow. He had just gotten out of prison when I met him. Huh. And we dated for about four months. And when I realized what type of person he was, I had to get away from him. And I told her, I said, Mom, he's nothing but trouble. Yeah. And I went on with my life, and he came back into hers four years later. And which split my parents up, and they had a 30-year marriage. Yeah. And he came between them, and then he took her for $55,000. Okay, well, we're just going to talk about him in general terms. So that she, so they met through you. He was actually your boyfriend first, and then four years later, they became a couple. Right. And what was and the... Was in prison when they got married. Oh, my goodness. Um, being the... Maybe you're the best person to ask. Why do you think that she got it, uh, attracted to him, even though he was, uh, you know, in prison and had already dated you? What, you know, how do you look at that now? Well, I don't know what she was thinking. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I asked her that. Okay. And she... She just said he was a changed person. He was a Christian now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I I uh, sat there and I 
told her, I said, Mom, I said, look, it should change their spots. Yeah. Yeah, right. but didn't, he, didn't she start going up just to visit him at first? Because she knew him from you? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he worked yeah, on her up there. Then he started calling her all the time. And she was accepting his calls. And it was costing her a lot of money. See. And uh, she would go up there every week to see him. Every weekend. And she wow. talked me into going up there one time. Mm-hmm. And the things he told me, I just, you know. Okay. I know he's a violent person and they don't see it. Okay. What was he in jail for? Burglary. Okay. What else, Stephen? You know more yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, well, then we don't, we'll just keep it at that. We'll just, we just, we have a good idea. Millie, what did you think about, uh, your sister marrying Larry, did you try to talk her out of it? If you maybe had a better, more objective view regarding all of this, what were you? What was your well, thinking in nineteen eighty eight? I didn't really know that much about it until it happened. Oh, really? Okay. I mean, you got to figure we're a, a lot of. There's a lot of miles in between us, and mm-hmm. uh, when we were on the phone, she really didn't fill me in all that, all that stuff. Okay. All right. Kind of a shock. Okay, so they got married, but uh, my understanding, though, is they were not married at the time of her disappearance. Is that correct? Yes, they were divorced. Divorced, all right. So what year did they get divorced? 90, 91, 92? I don't remember. Okay, well, do you think they were married a couple years? Did it last two years, three years? At least. Okay. Okay. I'd have to I'd have to find the papers, uh, and I have no idea where they are. Okay, that's fine. So maybe I'll just ask you this then: um, Did they get divorced because you thought that Evelyn finally saw the real Larry? Yes. Okay. Let's move on to this. We'll just uh, we're gonna have to talk about this. Uh, her son's death. I guess Debbie, this is your brother. Millie, we'll start with you. What exactly happened with the death of one of Evelyn's sons? What happened? Oh, well, she was devastated. You know, just like I would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, she thought the sun rose and set in him. And uh, he was on his last trip, the way I understood it. And it was just so unfortunate. Well, uh, if you can tell us, maybe just, I realize, very difficult, but what exactly happened? Car accident, boating accident, what what happened? Uh, it was on an interstate, clear day, blue skies, and uh, fog came up, and they had, what, that be 100 cars uh, uh, that piled up? 99 cars, and oh there were 27 deaths. Oh, my goodness. And probably more after after the uh, settlement and everything. Mom hired a, an attorney out of Mobile, Alabama named Doug Fees. And there is a website you can go to. It's called Storm Stories on the Weather Channel. And you can go to Killer Fog. And Think it I've tells seen all that. about it. Did they mention my brother by name? Oh, my. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think mo- it's on ID, too. Yeah, I think so. Okay. 
Let so um, but she got a settlement out of this. She got this lawyer. She got a settlement. Um, how much money did she get in the settlement, roughly? Two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Wow. Was in, was in my uh, my mom's account. Wow. Okay. And um, so where did this? Uh, I should ask you where did this wreck happen? Where did this huge tragic accident happen? Calhoun, Tennessee. Okay. All right. Thank you. What did she end up doing with that money? $225,000. I guess that would be non-taxable. What did she do with that cash? Who did she give it to? Who benefited? Did she save any of it? What did she do? If you can answer, uh, Debbie, what did she do? What do you know about it? Well, I know she invested in some coins. Some rare coins. We found that when we were going through her things after cleaning the house out. Mm. And a lot of it was used for bills because the year and a half that my brother was living there, the bills were coming out of her account. Mm -hmm. And then there was $10,000 she withdrew the day she disappeared. Okay, and we're, and gonna, and we're certainly going to get to that. But did you not tell me, um, maybe Millie, you can answer this, that did she not give a lot of money to her church? Very generous. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, of, of all of that money that she received, how much of it do you think that she kept for herself? It may have been $125,000. Mm hmm Okay. I really don't know. I would have to go find papers, and I don't know where anything's at. Okay. All right, but she was generous. Um, but in the course of this, we'll move on to, did she give any money to um, her husband or ex-husband, Larry? Do you even know? Uh, I, I'm thinking she did. Okay. But I can't say for sure. Mm-hmm. Can you even remember if, were they still married at the time of this brother's or the son's death. Can you even remember I, if they were still no, married? No. Or they were in the process of a divorce because she he was living with Teresa at the time. Okay. Now, one more, a uh, couple more things. Um, did she have a lawsuit? Was she going to file a lawsuit for Larry for money that he owed her? Uh, was that supposed to be happening at the time of her disappearance? That was she was awarded in divorce court 50,000. Wow. She took a $5,000 loss there that uh, she, he was ordered to pay her back 50,000 and he had only paid her 1,400 and she was getting ready to take him back to court. Okay. All right. And so despite her getting this money in this lawsuit and everything, Larry still had to give her money from the divorce. Yeah. Can I can I say something? Please. That's yes. Please, Millie. Please. Okay. Uh, Debbie, didn't she buy him that truck? She bought him a truck. She bought that wow. wedding ring. She bought her wedding ring. Mm-hmm. Another thing. A lot of stuff for him. A lot of tools, also. Okay. So she. Thing we, please. Excuse me. Go ahead. Another please. thing we found is we were going through checks. When we were when I was down there with Debbie, we found a ton of checks made out to him for mm. cash. 
Okay. And was this in the time before her disappearance? No, this was afterwards. All right. Well, so I mean, I don't know when she wrote them. We mm. found them when we were going through okay. stuff when I All right. got and to Georgia. I don't remember the dates on them. Okay. But she was in the process of uh, trying to maybe go, thinking about going back to court because she owed, he owed her money. Right. Okay. Uh, Millie, did you one-on-one um, -on -one talk to her about this lawsuit? Did you, did you know that this was going on, Millie? No. Okay. All right. And did, uh, Debbie, did you talk to her about it? I had, um, and I totally, I totally forgot my train of thought. Okay. I'll ask you it again. No problem. Um, this regarding, uh, her, uh, thinking about going back to court. Did she talk about going back to court with Larry often? You know, was this something, of course, we know that she disappeared in November of 1994. Was this something that was going to take place, do you think, before the end of the year? Or was this something that was going to happen in 1995? Yeah, I thought it was, uh, the way she was talking, it was before the end of the year. Wow, so, so something yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Okay. She, uh, she told me, she says, he's not paying me like he's supposed to. She mm -hmm. says, and I'm getting tired of it. He keeps coming back to me wanting more money. And I'm not giving him anything. He's going to start giving it back to me. Okay. And, of course, he would know that she won this settlement, right? This 200 some thousand dollars He would have known yeah, that, right? Okay, that didn't help. Okay. Uh, one more thing regarding the issues, and then I'm just going to ask you some general questions. Did either of you uh, see or talk to, of course, we know this is the end of November, so no Thanksgiving would have happened just before her disappearance. Did either of you uh, see her or talk to her uh, around Thanksgiving, and, and what did you think? How was she doing? I talked to her the day after Thanksgiving. I she called me the day before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, good. And she was bubbly, and she was so happy that Debbie was moving back to, to Georgia, and she was just, she, mm -hmm. was, she had bought a bunch of presents for the grandkids, that were in her closet, and she was just on top of the world, she thought. Okay. And, uh, Debbie, what about you? You talked to her, uh, as you just said, very close to her around Thanksgiving as well. What, did, what was your she impression? Came over, she came over the day before Thanksgiving, and both of my kids were small. Mm -hmm. My son was about three, and my daughter was about a year and a half. And she sat there and she told me, she said, since you're making Thanksgiving dinner, she says, I'll take the kids home with me. <laughs> and she took them home and the next morning she brought them back to me and she says, never again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sometimes uh, grandparents maybe ask for a little too much, right? They expect... She says, I That's will funny. never take them together again. She says, they are too much for me. <laughs> they wore her out, huh? Yeah. And, and I have to remember that uh, when Evelyn went missing, she's only a couple years older than I am now. So, um, yeah, being uh, 54 is not quite being like 24. I, I'm, you know, so I can appreciate that. Um, all right, so for both of you, in your both of your opinions... You thought that it seemed to you that Evelyn was pretty in a pretty good uh, place mentally before her disappearance. I, I thought she was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Did she ever express, we, we've already talked about this lawsuit. We, we talked about Larry. Of course, they're divorced by this time in 1994. Did she, uh, I'll ask you just pointedly, Malie, did she express any fears to you in any conversations you had, like, in the couple months before she went missing? Any fears about anything? I don't, I don't think she did personally to me. I mean, mm -hmm. Debbie said that she, you know, she would tell me, Things like Larry threatened her, mm -hmm. and uh, that type she of thing. Like she was being stalked by him. She did. Okay. Yes. Any particular story that you can remember? Of course, stalking takes a lot of different versions. Of course, before 1994, there was no internet yet, so we could we can't talk about cyber stalking. Was he following her? Was he like yes. happening to run into her, like at the grocery store, or what? What do you what do you think that meant? Uh, well, you know, his mother lived not too far from her, mm. and he would have an excuse to drive by her house. You know, she oh, would see. see him, you know, like all the time. Mm -hmm. And she said, she had told me one time she was out doing her boxes, and she, she saw his, the Bronco that she bought for him behind her. Several times. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she just told me, she says, I feel like he's he's watching me all the time. Mm-hmm. Did she ever say anything about him physically confronting her, once again, after their divorce, close to the to close to the disappearance? Did he, you know, anything like that? I don't remember anything. Okay. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Let's move on to this. Uh, what do you think, uh, Millie, maybe I can ask you, do you uh, remember any plans? Of course, Christmas is coming up. It would have been in less than a month from when she went missing. Do you know what her Christmas plans were? Millie, were you planning to get together with her for Christmas or, or not or, or, or what? No, I mean, we... We're living in Lawrence, Kansas, and she was in Georgia. Oh, okay. So, no. Uh, you know, she was just happy that Debbie was moving back. Yeah. She'd have her grandkids home and mm -hmm. that type of thing. <laughs> as long as she didn't have to take care of them all by herself, I guess. <laughs> um, and what about you? Yeah, what about you, Debbie? Um, what, what do you think her plans were for December? Of course, like, as Millie said, you were moving back to the area. Uh, we already had it planned. She was coming over. We were having a big Christmas. I had the I had the tree up in the corner of the ha uh, living room, and we had a sectional sofa so that we could all be in the same room. We had my dining room set up, so it was all dressed up for for Christmas dinner, and mm -hmm. we just had everything. Like Christmas should be. Okay. Now I should probably ask you um, uh, a, a question. We have to remember that Evelyn has three children. Of course, we have Debbie who is in this interview. We have her, uh, very sadly, her other son who got killed in this accident that killed many people. But what about her other son? Um, what was, We haven't really talked about him a lot. We're going to talk about it later, but just in general... What was he doing around the time of his disappearance? What was he doing with his life? He was living in Atlanta, and he was doing electrical work, and he was 
you know, making good money there. Okay. All right, because we just haven't brought him up, but we're going to talk about him uh, a little later. We just can't forget she does she uh, does have three children. So let's move on to this. Uh, November 30th, 1994, and uh, maybe, Millie, you can relax for a little bit because I'm just going to talk straight to Debbie for a while. What I think is interesting about um, this date is, Debbie, you actually talked to your mother twice that day. Why don't you... Tell the listeners exactly what you remember uh, about the day. Was it before you talked to your mother? Was it like a, just a regular average day? What was going on? And then you two talked. Tell the listeners about it. I, I was still laying in bed. I hadn't gotten up yet. It was about 9 o'clock. And my hus- the phone rang and my husband grabbed the phone and said, It's mama. He said, you, uh, she wants to talk to you. I said, okay. And I grabbed the phone and talked to her. She said, she said, Deb, can you go out to my house and check my mail for me? I'm going to be gone a few days. I said, okay. I said, yeah, I can do that for you. She says, well, what about my jewelry shows? Can you do them? Hmm. And I said, well, Mom, I said, I don't really think so. I said, because I haven't been to see how you do them. Mm-hmm. I said, I, I wouldn't know what I was doing. So she sat there and she said, well, she said, don't worry about it. She said, I'll take care of that. She said, I'll talk to you later. I love you. Bye-bye. Okay. That was it. Fifteen minutes later, she calls back. And she said, Deb, she said, are you awake enough to talk to me? Now, I said, yeah, I was awake enough to talk to you before. She said, well, I called to tell you where I'm going. I swear, she says, I'm going to Jerusalem to get married. And I said, yeah, right. I thought she was joking with me. Yeah. Because she was not dating anybody at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And. I have to ask, did you, like, challenge her a little bit? Do you say, oh, you, mother, you have to be joking about this. This can't be real. Or how did you react? What did you say to her? Just basically, yeah, right. <laughs> and and I have to ask, did she say something like, "No, uh, no, Debbie, I'm I'm serious. I'm going." What was her response when you didn't take her seriously? She she just kept going. I'm going to Jerusalem to get married. She said, "I'm going. Oh, I'm leaving next today, and I'm going. I'll be back Sunday." She said, get ready to move, because when I get back, I'm giving you and Tommy the house. And where was and she? And she had just gotten wow. the settlement. Okay. And where, being that she was going to give you the house, where do you think she was going to live? With her new husband. With her new <laughs> husband. And at any point during that second conversation... Uh, did she ever mention who this, what this new husband's name was? No. None. No. Z- zero at, at all. Zero. No. Didn't. Uh, by the, t- I have to ask, by the time you got off the phone with her, did you still think it was a joke or do, were you taking it more seriously? I honestly did think it was a joke. Mm-hmm. In fact, I had a girl that had been living with me and she was in the hospital. 
she ended up with an infection in her leg and I called her um, and I told her what my mom had said and she sat there she says has she gone crazy yeah and I said you know I said I'm kind of wondering that <laughs> and you know then when she didn't come back on Sunday I filled her answering machine up with messages. Yeah. Call me. Call me the minute you get back. I don't care what time it is. Call me. Mm -hmm. And I never got that call back. Okay. And, and you called me. Yes. Yeah, we'll get to that. I want to I wanna ask you just some very pointed questions, Debbie. And, of course, they're in the uh, outline here, so I'm just going to go right down to them. When did she say she was going to Israel? Was it actually that day, or was it going to be December 1st, December 2nd? What was your understanding? It was that day. That day? Yes. Okay. And it, it sounds to me, though, by the time you hung up, you still were not convinced she was going, right? Well, you know, it, it was funny because I heard people in the background, so I knew she wasn't at home. I knew oh. she was at the public phone. Okay. And there's no telling who could have been standing beside her. Telling well, her we, uh, yeah, we don't want to get into any speculation. All I'm asking you is you weren't convinced she was going to Israel when you got off the phone with her the second time. No. Okay. Next question. At any point when she brought up getting married, I guess for a third time, did any at any point did Larry come into your mind? Do, yeah. you, do you think that she convinced herself, you know, what we're going to get? Because some people do that. They get divorced and then married again. Did that ever come to your mind? No, I I honestly don't think she would have gone back to him that way. I think okay. she might have caught, tried to reverse the pawn that he had on mm, her and yeah. say, hey, yeah, I will remarry you if you start giving me my money back. Right. You know? Right. Okay. Gotcha. Remember, we have to... She he owed her money, and um, marrying somebody who owes you money probably is not the best choice. You're right. Okay. Uh, did you, being that she had asked in the in the call before for you to pick up her mail, et cetera, did you do that? Yes. You did. All right. So you were you went over to her house those next couple days, you know, and of right. course, and did it occur to you when you went over there? Oh, I guess she was telling the truth. When did it occur to you that she might have actually been telling the truth? <laughs> Sunday when she never showed up. Okay. All right, so you went and picked up her mail. You were over at her house. You didn't see anything unusual, didn't see her car, nothing like that. Didn't notice any signs, for example, of a break-in, anything like that. No. Okay. And uh, you already mentioned this, but I'm just going to ask you pointedly again. Um... Are we sure, or do we, to this day, do we know where she made that call from? No. No, but you, your, your idea, though, it was not made from uh, the house, her house. Right. Okay. All right, I should ask you maybe one more question. Between the span of the first call and the second call, being that she was uh, asking you to do things as she was going out of town before she came up with this uh, Jerusalem story, did you think it was odd that she was asking you to do these things, but she didn't tell you where she was going to go? No, because she's, she had done that before. 
I mean, okay. she would go out of town. She would go to conventions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, be gone for several days, and mm-hmm. I'd go check her mail for her. Okay, so... <laughs> all right, so what she was requesting of you on November 30th, 1994 was not unusual? No. Okay, thank you. All right, let's move on to this. Uh, we'll bring Millie back into the conversation. I guess you found out all about this from Debbie, Millie. What was uh, your first reaction when Debbie called you and uh, Debbie maybe was starting to realize that things weren't right? What was your reaction, Millie? I told her to call the police. Okay. Straight said, away. She's not back. I think we gave it a day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like if you're not, if she's not back by Monday or Tuesday, mm-hmm. I don't know what day we said, but I said contact the Okay. So. I have to ask Millie, when Debbie passed along to you the story about Evelyn going to Jerusalem, if anybody doesn't know, Jerusalem is in the country of Israel, or it's, so I know Jerusalem is shared, we're not going to get into the politics of it. But we just think about, I think, Israel, at least in the United States, when we think about Jerusalem. Um, did you also think that that story was outrageous? Yes. Okay. Did it, for you, being her sister, uh, did it set off maybe some alarm bells or anything like that? Or did you think maybe my sister's losing it? What were your first, what was your knee-jerk reaction upon hearing that? Besides thinking that it didn't sound right, what, what else were you thinking? I just, you know... When she told me that, I'm going, you got to be kidding, you know. Mm-hmm. She wasn't going with anybody. You've got to, mm-hmm. you've got to have somebody there to <laughs> marry him. That's right. And yes. she just, at least nobody that I knew of, mm-hmm. and, and Debbie didn't know of anybody she was going with, so it was just, just sounded crazy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but my my understanding, though, uh, I forget which one of you told me this in one of our prior conversations, is that she had expressed a desire in her life to go to the Middle East, to go to Jerusalem, correct? Yes. All well, right. she was very religious, so yeah. that wouldn't surprise me. Okay, so maybe, you know, maybe if she had said she was planning to go to Moscow, uh, Russia, that might have really, really, really been weird. But being that she had talked about going to Jerusalem, maybe not as weird. It wasn't, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm mm. going to the Holy Land. Holy Land. Okay. To the Holy Land to get married. I'm going to Jesus walked. Okay. All right. To get married. Uh, had she ever expressed uh, any desire to get married again at all in any conversation either of you had with her between the divorce of Larry and her disappearance? Had she ever talked about getting married again? Yes, she said she was going to be married by the end of the year. She said that. Yes, she told me that. Okay, when did she say that she during? By the end of the year. In nineteen ninety four. Yes. Did and she... I said, "Well, who are you going to marry?" She said, "I don't know." Okay, so I guess she was fulfilling a some sort of prophecy or desire. Uh, so like maybe that's why well, she. You know, Please. You know, computers were just coming out, but she had started talking to a guy in, uh, he had a fishing show. I can't remember what his name was. She went out with him a few times. She told me, she says, you know, he really likes to fish. I said, well, if he's got a fishing show, yeah, you would think she would want to like to fish. That would make sense. And... 
they saw each other a few times, and then um, I did find where she was writing letters to guys. She was. She was pen pals, but uh, I don't think she was meeting anybody physically. Okay. okay. You know, maybe talking to people on the computer, I don't know. But Okay. Hold on. So she said at some point in 1994, she had said she was going to be married by the end of the year. And then this story that she told about going to the Holy Land, to Israel, to Jerusalem, um, just kind of continued that story. It all kind of came together. Yeah. Yeah, kind of all synced up. Okay. Let's move on to this. So uh, everybody's worried. We get to that Sunday. And I think we have to remember that I think November 30th of 1994 was a Wednesday. And uh, so we get four days later to that Sunday. Debbie, you start to think, well, something's not right here. You talk to Millie. Millie says, you know, you got to call the police. And so you contact the police, and what did they do? Well, um, I contacted the Columbus Police Department. I... Uh... I contacted the Columbus police and they told me that it was not their jurisdiction. Even though we found her car in, at the Columbus airport mm -hmm. in the long-term parking lot. Um, so I have to ask, did you contact the police first or did you find her car first? We found her car first. Okay, maybe we should talk about that then. How did you go about, and I'm sure you were, we'll bring in Millie in the, on this eventually, but being that you did this, um, how did you go about finding her car? Uh, we went out there, my husband and I went out to the, um, to the airport to check on her boxes that we knew she had out there. And... We got out there, and uh, while I was talking to security, Tommy went out to the uh, parking lot and was walking around, and he found her car. Huh. And he came back in and told me, he says, her car's out here. And we went out with the security, and he checked when it came in, and it was on November 30th. Okay. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so the very day that you spoke to her, that car ended up in the parking lot. Right. All right. And if you can remember what date was this that you ended up at the airport and found her car, was it December 4th, December 5th, Monday, Sunday? It was on Monday. It was on Monday the 5th. Okay. And I just want the listeners to understand that when we're talking about airport, we're not talking about maybe when everybody thinks of the state of Georgia, they think of the Atlanta airport. This is a regional airport in Columbus, right? Yes. Okay, so a smaller airport. And like two or three airlines there. Okay, very small. Okay, compared to, I think Atlanta is the busiest airport in the United States. Okay, so... Um, so you just, I guess, luckily or coincidentally came upon her car. Right. Right, okay. Um, questions, had you ever known her to use that airport before? No. No, okay. 
And just visually, anything unusual about the car? Yes, it was cleaner than I had ever seen it. <laughs> okay. She right. had uh, when I when I looked in the car, I did not have her key at that time. Mm-hmm. It was at the house, so we went back to the house and got the key. And when we came back, you know, we had security out there watching us. You know, yeah. I'll. I invited them, please come and watch while I see what's in my mom's car. Mm-hmm. Something's funny. And so he stood there and he watched. And her shoes, she had a pair of shoes in the car. And they were sitting in the floorboard like she had just taken them off. Mm. And stepped out of the car without no shoes on. Mm. In the back seat was the candy that she right to put in the uh, honor boxes. Okay. Then they knew her inside because she did have those honor boxes there. So when I went in, I asked them if they had seen her. And they said, yeah, we saw her last Wednesday. So she went every Wednesday. So the day Mm -hmm. that she disappeared, they said that they had not seen her. Okay. Would you say that the car was parked in a, an unusual place? Was it in like short-term parking, long-term parking? No, it, it was in long-term parking. Now, her Bible was in the car, too. Mm-hmm. And all of her premier design jewelry. And about $200 in rolled coins. Huh. Okay. All right, so you find this car, and now maybe we can backtrack to talking about the police. She's not there. Nobody has seen her, and we'll get into some of the other things regarding the airport and, and video and everything. But uh, you, you finally get the police involved, and we'll go back to what you said before. They said, well, it's not in our jurisdiction. Right. Okay, well, They told me please. to call Lee County because she was a resident of Lee County. Even though we found her car in Columbus, it to me felt like they were passing the buck. That is common. We hear about a lot of that on on Unfound. That's true. So I contacted Lee County, and I talked to Sheriff Jay Jones. And he sent uh, James Majors down to videotape what was in my mama's car. Okay. I had to drive out to her house, park in her front yard, and they drive a video and videoed everything that was in the car. Mm-hmm. And that was that. Okay. I didn't hear anything more except, you know, they wanted to know, uh, where did she come missing it from? I said, well, you know, we found the car over in Phoenix or over in Columbus at the airport. I said, as far as I know, you know, she may have been calling me from the airport, but I don't know. Right. I heard people in the background. That's all I can say. Did the police make any effort to check any of the flights that day to see if an Evelyn Piper was on any of those flights? I checked that. You did? Okay. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I checked to see if she had got even chartered a plane. Mm-hmm. And there was no 
record of her having a passport, she would have had to have a visa. Mm -hmm. I know that from speaking to an Israeli, um, he was a detective in Israel. Wow. And he had contacted me shortly after mom disappeared. Okay. I had met him in a restaurant in Atlanta when we were coming back from South Carolina one, one time when we were coming back to visit mom before we moved back. And I was telling him that we were going back to my mama's house because she had disappeared and we had to, you know, start cleaning her house out. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was sitting there and he was telling me, he said, well, you know, for her to be going to, to Israel, she would have had to have a visa and she would have had to have a passport. Right. And there was no record of her having a visa or a passport. Okay. All right. So what you're saying is nobody ever took any pictures of the car as it sat in the airport parking lot back then. No. Any, all of the work that was done wasn't done until a car was brought back to the house. Right. Okay. Speaking of the house, and I, I maybe I would just to bring Millie back in here, were, Millie, were you aware of all this that was going on? Were you aware right away that Debbie had found the car and all of this? Oh, yeah. She, she's on the phone with me all the time. Okay. So going back, okay, thank you. So going back to the house, um, any signs of violence? Um, we'll get into maybe more of the specifics, but going to the house, just a general overview of the house. Once you got the car back to the house, anything unusual at the house? No, I, I took my key and went out there and went mm -hmm. inside and no, there was nothing out of place except her makeup was there. Mm -hmm. Her curling iron and blow dryer were there. My mom didn't go anywhere without her makeup. Okay. Her curling iron, her blow dryer, her toothbrush and toothpaste were all there. I did not find any suitcases, but um, my mom had a junk room mm -hmm. that she just threw stuff in. So I did find suitcases later after we started moving stuff out of the house after um, mm -hmm. she lost the house. Okay. So you're at the house and you look around and maybe we'll get into a few of those things in a little deeper in a moment. Now, being that she's missing, uh, do you think that the police at the time, whether obviously Columbus police don't take it too seriously, but the, the sheriff's office, um, did you think that they took it seriously? And just to ask you very pointedly, did they, did you ever tell them, you know what? Something doesn't seem right here. You better go talk to Larry Downing. Did that happen? Uh, I told them that, but uh, as far as I know, they didn't ever do it. Now, mm -hmm. the police in Columbus got involved again later. And they were getting ready. He was in jail, and they were getting ready to polygraph him. But mm -hmm. he got released on bond before they were able to set up the polygraph. Okay. But the officer that was going to set up the polygraph um, found out that he had taken my mom's wedding ring to the pawn shop. Yeah, we'll get we'll get we'll get in we're gonna get into that, Debbie. We'll certainly get into that in the outline. We'll 
Um, we just want to follow it. I just want to know, did the police at the time attempt to talk to Larry? No. All right. Did they, uh, did they end up talking to him at all in 1995, 2000, 2010? Do you think he's ever been thoroughly questioned regarding Evelyn's disappearance? Not anybody in Bay County. I don't know about Rick. I don't know whether he was able to talk to him in depth about it. Okay. Like I said, he was ready to have it polygraphed. Okay. And did, after Evelyn went missing, did Larry ever contact either of you, being that he knows you, Debbie, because you were two or a couple at once, at one time, and he surely knows that Millie existed as well. Did Larry ever contact anyone in your family to find out where Evelyn was? No. Not me. Not either of you. Okay. That is telling. Let's move on to this. Uh, we have to get into maybe a few of these things a little deeper because I know there are a lot of questions bouncing around in the, the listeners' minds. Going back to the airport. Of course, today in 2022, we know how security is for airports. Maybe not as stringent back then, and maybe, of course, being that this was more of a, a smaller airport, it's going to be a little different. But any video that anybody was able to get, did they ever check any security video at the airport for November 30th of 1994? Either of you. Any, please. I don't know, honestly. Okay. Not at the airport. Because usually, you know, when you go into um, any of the parking lots, they usually video you. That's This is true even back in the 1990s. It's much more common now because it's easier to do. But you don't know if they bothered to collect video or anything. No. Wow. Okay. Well, like I said, I had to wait a couple of days mm -hmm. before I reported her missing. Sure. And then it was like Thursday before I picked her car up and I took it to my house, carefully mm. touching nothing but what I had to, to mm -hmm. get it to the house. I was going to see if they would come over and fingerprint it. Yeah. They told me that there were, on the outside, there was too much... Too many people could have touched the outside of it, being it was in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. And on the inside, the texture would not lit, you cannot lift fingerprints off the texture of the car. Okay. But, but the video, though, you had gone, when you went over there and found the car, you were talking to security there. Did it ever occur to you to ask them, you know, can you check your video from back, like, last Wednesday to see who put this car there? Did you, that ever happen? You know, I don't, I, I don't remember. I was, mm -hmm. I was not thinking straight at that mm -hmm. time. Most people are My like that. They're very common. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about the guy that ran across the... Yeah, let's, the, thank you for bringing that up, Millie. That was going to be my next question. There was a story oh, that, that's fine. Uh, I love it when uh, the guests know what we're going to talk about next. Um... This, this, uh, so, you know, it's a day, you know, I don't know what to make of the video situation. Certainly would have been nice, um, had the security just volunteered it, but they did have this story about a man running across a runway. Um, either one of you want to tell that story of what you know about it? Well, he said 
the security guard told me that I had gone out there and checked on her honor box, and I was talking to the security. I said, you still haven't heard anything about my mama? He says, no. He says, but he says, there was something weird happened that day. And I said, what was that? He says, you weren't here. You didn't come in. Uh, I didn't see you after it happened, so I, I didn't relay it to anybody here. And I just remembered when I saw you. He says, uh, there was something weird happened that day. I said, what was it? He says, there was a man running down the runway, headed towards the back fence that led over to the subdivisions that were being built. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, yeah. I asked him, I said, well, what did he look like? Did anybody get close enough to see him? And they said, well, we were about uh, 50 yards from him when he jumped the fence mm -hmm. and got away from us. But he had, he was tall, he was about 5'9", he had dark brown hair and a mustache, and he was muscular. So and he told me what he was wearing. He said he was wearing a plaid uh plaid shirt, button-down shirt with a um, pair of jeans and work boots. So, were they in pursuit of him and he got away? Yes. They were actually chasing him and he got away? Yes, because he was running down the runway and there were tr planes trying to take um, off and land. Um, wow. And they were pretty sure that this was November 30th, 1994. Yes. He was working that morning. He was the one that we okay. first talked to when we went out to the parking lot down the park. Okay. Uh, in your both of your opinions, if you've ever seen pictures of Larry or anybody else who you know that Evelyn knew, does that description fit the fit the bill for any any guy that comes to mind? Yeah, Larry. Did he have a mustache at the time? Yes. Was he about 5'9"? That's the height I am. 5'9"? About 5'9", five 5'10", five somewhere around there, yeah. Okay. Did it's you... like what I see, I've seen in pictures, so it mm -hmm. sounds the okay. same. Did you, upon hearing this description, did being that you've heard it firsthand, Debbie, did you automatically think of Larry? Yes. Did you tell the police that it sounded like it was Larry? Yes. Did they do anything about it? No. Okay. All right. So we got this story. Uh, you know, the listeners know how I feel, even when it comes to security guards and um, eyewitness accounts, I, I tend to highly doubt them. But being that this one is a description of someone who Evelyn knew, and there's no way that the security guard could have known that, I'm going to be inclined to believe that. All right. So we got this guy running away. And he got away. Jumped the fence. They didn't jump the fence after him. They didn't try to go around the fence or through a gate to try to track him down. Because that's a federal fence by running down runways and trespassing right. on airport property. That's a federal fence. They didn't try to track him down. I don't guess so. Okay. All right. 
Let's move on to this. Regarding Israel, just uh, one more time so we are clear on this. Uh, she said she was going to Israel, but to either of your knowledges, uh, did she even have a passport? No. Mm -mm. Millie, did you ever know I, Evelyn? Not that I know of. Yeah, Evelyn, did you ever... Uh, Millie, did you ever know Evelyn to have a passport at all at any time in her life? Had she ever traveled outside of the country, like to Mexico or Europe, anywhere? I don't believe so. Not to my Yes, mind. one time. One time? When we lived in Ohio, we went to Canada. Okay. And listeners should know, being that I've been to Canada many times in her life, back in the 80s and 90s, you could get into Canada without a passport. You cannot get into Canada without a passport now, so... Right. So, um, so I don't know how she was going to go to Israel without a passport. Okay. Moving on to the house once again. I uh, kind of mentioned this, but I just want to um, go over these things a little slower, more uh, concise. Anything missing? I know you said some things were left behind, but anything uh, missing there uh, that you noticed? Uh, you told me something about a jewelry box, Debbie. Yes. There was a jewelry box that Larry had made for her, and it was in the shape of a gazebo. He made it while he was in prison. Hmm. And it looked, I mean, it was a beautiful little thing. It, was, it had stairs that led up to it, and you pulled the stairs out, and she could put rings and earrings and stuff like that in it. Hmm. And the top, the lid flipped up, and she could put stuff up there, too, and it had a little swing set on it. Sounds nice. Did she, did she use it? Did she actually put jewelry in it, or was it just a decoration? Oh, yeah. yeah, she she used it. Okay. So are you inclined to believe, being that it was not there in the house, that someone took it and probably the jewelry that was inside it was gone as well? Yes. Okay. You had mentioned before about... Uh, of course, we, you know, the story is that she went on a trip. Did you find any luggage in her house? Did she own any luggage? She owns some luggage. It was just mismatched luggage. Mm -hmm. But um, I later found that in the junk room buried under all the junk that was in there. That so sounds, that sounds like a heck of a room, Debbie. Yeah, she didn't. That's why she told me I would have to clean it out. <laughs> okay. Was she, uh, did she, was she a little bit of a hoarder? Is that what you're saying? Or? She was like grandma and grandpa. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. So maybe you can tell the listeners she was like grandpa and grandma. What does that mean? Maybe she's talking to Millie. What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> let us in on, let us in on the inside joke, ladies. <laughs> Well, they weren't real good about throwing things away. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have a junk room as, as such. Okay. They had a closet that froze in the winter. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. So you eventually did find some luggage uh, in, in amongst this room uh, that sounds like a mess. But um, do you think that she owned any other luggage that could have been missing? Not that I know of. Okay. When you do, got to the house originally, um, was it locked? Was it 
Did it was it locked or yes. could you just walk down right in? All right, it was. It locked. was locked. I I used my key to get in. Okay. And how close are the nearest neighbors to where Evelyn lived, to Evelyn's house? How close is the are the neighbors? There was a uh, like a realty company right next door. Well, it had been something else too, but now mm -hmm. it's part of the daycare center. But mm -hmm. there was a girl on the other side. It, they had she was had neighbors. Yeah. Um, there was a girl on the other side of it that lived in a trailer right next door. They were good friends too. Okay. Did they, did either of them or any of them ever come forward and say, you know what, I did see something kind of weird over to Evelyn's house around November 30th? Dawn did. Yeah, the next door neighbor, she told me that um, she was seeing parties going on. And, um, this was after my brother moved back then. Well, I, all, we're, and, all we're concerned about is the disappearance date or maybe a couple days before. Did anybody of the neighbors ever say, you know, I saw a strange car over there? Or I saw, you know, I saw a couple guys over there that I didn't recognize. Anything like that? No, she she was pretty good about calling me if she saw anything odd. Mm-hmm. Um, she and I were pretty good friends, too. And, and uh, mm -hmm. um, she always looked out for Mom's house while Mom was gone. Okay, but she did not see anything unusual before no. Evelyn went missing. Okay. Did she say anything maybe those few days after, maybe December 1st, December 2nd, December 3rd? Of course, you were going over there to get the mail, but did she ever right. say anything about seeing anybody else over there? No, because when, whenever she would see me come up, she would always come out and talk to me. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, have you seen anything odd over here? She says, no, not yet. She says, I'm on the lookout for him. And when mm -hmm. she said him, I knew who she was talking about. She was talking about Larry. Larry. Okay. So nothing. Yeah. So, despite neighbors being close, didn't see anything unusual over there, um, which is not helpful. Okay, let's move on to this. Now, we kind of straight into this a little earlier, but we're going to talk about it now. Uh, either of you, when did you find out that she had, besides making two calls to you that day, Debbie, when did you find out that she had also gone to the bank on November 30th, 1994? Either of you... Um, I want to talk find about that? that. Out a, year, a year later. And how did you find that out? Uh, I got a notice that came to her address. That since I had her address, her mail forwarded to my house, I got it, uh, and it was saying that she had a safety deposit box, and I, she had told me about a safety deposit box, but she didn't give me a key to it. Hmm. And it was up for renewal, so. I went down to the bank and talked to them about it, and they told me I would have to have it drilled open, and I did, and there was nothing in it, okay. and I do know that she had had two rings and a necklace in there. Okay. All right, so you were unaware that she even had a safety deposit box? No, I knew she had. You knew you, you I knew she had one. Know okay. where it was, where or it was, what was in it at okay. the time. Okay. And but you told me though that a year later. So we're talking. Let's just we don't have to do the exact date, but let's just say somewhere toward the end of 1995. You get this letter. You get on there. They find out probably. You tell them. You know, my mother's been missing for a year, and you know, maybe by this time you're thinking there was foul play or something. 
you might even told him that you can't get into this uh, security or this um, safety deposit box because you don't have permission for it. But being that she's missing, they decide to open it for you. There's nothing in there. But at some point in that conversation, you told me that there was a video, that they had video from a year ago. Is that right? Yes. All right. Tell them that had to be startling to you. Tell the listeners about it. Yes, it was because, you know, I didn't think they would have anything from back then. I wouldn't either. But, um, I don't know, something about their security system at the bank. Um, they had had a lot of robberies there. And I think they were holding on to a lot more of the videos that were coming in. Okay. Storing them. Okay. And, um, so, um... They had the video, and I went and watched it. Wow. And I can't remember. I think it was in Lee County. They had gotten that mm. video. And I went to Lee County and watched it, and uh, they asked me if I recognized anybody in the video. Mm. And they showed her when she went up to the, to the counter. Wow. And she was not smiling. And my mama always smiled. My mama never was without a smile on her face. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was, that really struck me as being very odd. That had to be and so weird that a year after your mother goes missing that you find a new video of her. On the very day that she disappeared. I can't, I can't imagine that. You know, there were a lot of things that didn't make sense. A lot. Mm, yeah. And I, to this day, I still don't understand a lot of what has gone on. Right. And why they never talked to Larry. They never even really talked to my brother. And we're, and we're going to get to him too. But on that video, she's alone. Yes. All right. She doesn't look like she, at least there's nobody like you know, walking closely behind her or anything else, like no. as if she might have been being coerced to do this, but there was nothing on video that showed that. Right. Okay. And it was this, so she, uh, this is also the time, though, the same day that she went into her deposit box and, and seemingly took stuff out of it, being that it was empty. Right. Okay. Did they also tell you that uh, she took some money out as well? Yes, they said she took out $10,000. And we found the canceled check, didn't we, Aunt Millie? Mm -hmm. When we were going through the through wow. the paperwork, wow. we found a check for $10,000 to uh, made out to cash. And I told them, I said, she would not have walked out of this bank with $10,000 cash. Mm-hmm. She would have gotten it in a cashier's check or something because she was terrified of being robbed. Right. Of course, anybody would be. I don't care uh, gender. I don't care your age. You start carrying around cash like that, it gets scary right. if other, somebody else finds out. Sure. Um, was this a... Do you believe that, once again, being that she also called you that day, do you think this, was, this had to have been after she talked to you? Right. Right. All right. So she goes in. Up until 
nine o'clock. So yeah, right. So she you, called me at nine. Yeah. So she went to. So after she told you she was going to the Holy Land to get married. At some point after that, that day, she ends up at the bank by herself, empties her um, safety deposit box, and takes out ten thousand dollars in cash. I should ask you this. Um, how much money did she, did you ever find out how much money she had in that bank? Is that, did your family ever get that money or anything like that? What happened? That was, um, at that time she had $225,000 in the bank. Wow. And that was from the settlement. Yeah. And she was. Uh, I know she she invested in rare coins mm -hmm. that were hawked. Huh? That were hawked? Yeah. They were stolen and and mm -hmm. we're gonna and we're gonna get to how that happened. But well, well, I guess what I'm saying is she had money in the bank. I guess what I'm asking is she took ten thousand dollars cash out of the bank. But there right. was a lot more money still left in her accounts. Right. There? Okay. All right. But what occurs to me, although this number has changed since then, um, legally, you can take up, at least at the time in 1994, you could take out $10,000 out of the cash without having to do any additional paperwork for IRS uh, reasons. Okay. I think that's been moved up to 15000 now, but that might have been something on her mind. Okay. So she goes to the bank, she gets this cash out, which you don't need $10,000 to go to Israel or the Middle East or on any vacation, but that's what she did. Let's move on to this. Uh, it seems, I guess, that her she had a black purse uh, that was found somewhere, but not in the state of Georgia. How did this even come up? When did this, what is this story? I don't remember that too much about that anymore okay i do remember that um they kept in her social security hadn't been used and yeah credit cards hadn't been used but somebody found her purse and it had her identification in it wow but it i'm not i can't remember where it was found it wasn't in the state of Georgia, though, was it? No. All right. Do you think I it don't think it was in the state of Alabama, unless it was, you know, like North Alabama or someplace up there. Okay. And the only reason they knew it might have been her purse is because her ID was in it. Right. Wow. Somebody just you. you uh, it sound just sounds to me like over the the span of time for both of you, you don't remember a lot of specifics regarding this. Right. Okay. Um, Did anybody ever say you? That's all right. How about you, Millie? Any any insight into any of that? Do you remember that? I just no, I just remember Debbie telling me about it. Okay. Um, Did do, do you ever remember? We weekly, so she kept me up to date on everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're in Kansas. This is all happening in Georgia. Uh, did you did uh, whoever found it did ever like take a picture of it to show you? Does this look like? Evelyn's purse, anything like that ever happened? You know, I think there was 
a picture in the file when I went up there and actually went through mom's file, which is about two inches thick. Yeah. And, you know, I even found out that they were investigating me, you know, and I said, wow, no, I recorded her missing. If I wasn't concerned about her, I would never have done mm -hmm. anything to my mom. Yeah. Okay. So this purse is found somewhere. We don't know if it was on the side of the road. We don't know if it was left in a hotel. We don't know if it was turned into a thrift store. We don't know anything like that. Don't know. Can you even remember how long after 1994 that that happened? Was it still in the 1990s? Did you find out in the 2000s? Do you remember? I think it was in the 90s. Still in the 90s. Like 96 or 97. What that didn't sound like. It wasn't too terribly long, but uh, we were shocked when when we found it out. I'm sure. Yeah. It's, uh, there's only maybe one other disappearance that comes to mind where a woman's purse was found way far away from where everybody thinks she disappeared. Um, and it is an, it is an unusual occurrence. So I, I can see why you're both surprised by that. Me too. All right. So, but not sure if we don't know how it was found and exactly where it was found. It's hard to put that all together. Why would, if, you know, why would somebody leave the ID in it? It's all hard, a little hard to understand. Okay. Now let's move on to this. Um, this has something also to do with something we touched upon earlier. And this has to do with a pawn shop and a ring. What is this story? When did this all pop up? What is it? Well, uh, a year or so after uh, Mom disappeared, we found out through Rick McMahon, a police officer over here in Columbus, Georgia, that, uh, that he had taken Mom's wedding ring to a pawn shop over on the north side of town and he pawned it or he sold it. He didn't pawn it. He sold it for $300. And when you're talking about here, you're talking about Larry? Yes. Okay. Um, and he did this 10 days after she disappeared. And nobody knew it until two years mm -hmm. after. That's when he got involved, and he was. I I told him that she had had a ring, mm -hmm. and he took uh, mom's fingerprint because since she was worked at Fort Benning, she had top security clearance, and I had one of her IDs with her thumbprint on it. And at the pawn shop, you have to provide a thumbprint. Mm-hmm. So I gave that to Rick, and he took it down there and talked to them, and they pulled her, her file there, or his file, Larry's, and showed her, showed the girl, a picture of my mama and the ring that she had on her finger, and asked if they had, if that ring matched the description, and they had taken a picture of the ring. Mm -hmm. And had mom's thumbprint there. How did they have? How did they have your mother's thumbprint there? You mean she? Uh, how could they have had her? How could they have had her? Was on that ring. It was. That, that sounds a little crazy. 
Well, when they got it from him, she told she told the officer that that she had taken the ring from him and put it in a baggie mm-hmm. after she weighed it. And she put it in the baggie and put sealed it up and she put it off to the side until she got his paperwork filled out. Mm-hmm. And he said he did not want to pawn it. He wanted to sell it. Mm-hmm. And my mama would not have trusted him with a 10-foot pole with that ring. Okay. She bought that ring. She paid over $2,000 for it, and as well as his wedding band. And he pawned that, too. And he sold it for 300 bucks. Did you were you ever able to track down who got that ring eventually? I don't know if they ever did or not. Okay. But the the employee, I guess, what we're saying is the employee at the pawn shop verified that it was Larry who brought that ring in there, just right. e- even before nineteen ninety four was over. Right. Didn't he hop the the coins at the same time? Somewhere around the same time. I don't know where he mm-hmm. sold them at, but uh, we found that paperwork that was out of Spring, Texas, where she had bought these rare coins. Mm-hmm. Were you able to track those coins down? Much, Were you able to I track... Don't remember how much she had into those coins. Do you remember, Aunt Millie? I was thinking like 25000 Oh, my gosh. I could be wrong. Yeah, but he had said that she gave it to him like a year beforehand, and and he, she had gotten some pictures taken within mm. a short time before she disappeared and had that ring on her finger. Yeah, that mm. she did like Olin Mills pictures. They mm-hmm. used to put their hands up to their face, so you could see her ring. All right, so but we don't know what happened to the ring. The pawn shop no, got it and sold it to somebody else. Right. Okay. What about these coins? Uh, how do you know that they were, to use your word, hocked? How do we How do we know that happened? That what? How do you know that the coins were hocked? How do we know that? Well, we found paperwork. Okay. And uh, when we called to check on them, they said that they had this... What was it? it they had... Aunt Millie, you remember? Well, I'm thinking that this stuff wasn't found until you talked to that retired police yeah. officer from mm-hmm. Columbus, and he's yeah. the one that went to the pawn shop, wasn't he? No, mm-hmm. it was Rick that went, but he's the one that sent Rick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. That's how he got involved. I, I, all I'm asking is, how do we know that these coins were hawked? How do we know they just weren't stolen, I guess is what I'm asking. There was paperwork that they were given to some other pawn shop? No, I think what it was was when we found the paperwork, we started calling all the places. Mm-hmm. And we started trying to find out what what was going on with her financial situation. And they told us that they were sold. Wow. So, in other words, he had gotten his hands on them Mm -hmm. or gotten in touch with them and got them to sell them off. Okay. But we don't know where he, who he sold them to, and we don't know where those coins are now. 
Right. Wow. What are these coins? What kind? If anybody is into coins out there, what are these coins? Are they from like some other country or what are they? Do we I even can't know? Remember what they were? Okay. I never, I never knew about it until Deb told me about it. Okay. Well, don't you remember we found those, we found those papers that had pictures of them. Um. Oh, darn! What were they called? Yeah, they were some foreign coins. Okay. Well, if you can but think of the name, I'll, I'll certainly put it into the uh, episode because. It would be interesting to know. Obviously, I guess what we're saying out there, somebody out there has a ring that was stolen and somebody else, or maybe the same person, has a bunch of coins that were stolen too. Right. Right? Yes. Okay. All right. So if you could get to me the name of... Because people usually like to keep those coins together. They don't sell them piece by piece if they're, collect, if they're collectors because actually in something like that, the whole collection is actually worth more than any one particular coin. So most likely, somebody still has those coins all together 30 years later. Yeah. So maybe we can hope there. All right, so we got these coins missing as well. Now, you, Debbie, you told me that you thought somebody was watching your house and then you had... Evelyn's car at your your um, house and something with the license plate. Why don't you talk about all of that now? Okay. Um, after we found her car, we took it back to my house, and uh, I had it parked down my driveway. And we had been noticing that somebody was watching us from the empty house on the corner. And... Um, my husband got binoculars out and looked down there, and he says, "Come here and look." And I looked down there, and it was it was Larry. It was. And he had been watching the house for several days, and like I said, mom mom thought he was stalking her. So now, since I had her car over here at the house, I had gone I had gone into mom's car, and she had this little compartment between her steering wheel and her door and she always kept her allergy pills in there okay and she had stamps in there and she had a spare key to my house in there and i didn't think anything about it but it was the one that had the rental office's tag on it and uh, I went out there after after I had seen him watching us. I went out to the car and I looked in there and went through the car again just to you know familiarize myself with what was in it. And my key was missing. Huh. Which freaked me out. So I ended up changing the the lock on my door and uh but what i noticed when i came out of the car was that mom's tag was hanging loose on her on the back the license plate right okay and i had told mom because mom was always bad about losing her keys i told her about uh a hack <laughs> 
is what we use mm-hmm. nowadays. Yeah. Right? But okay. My doctor had told me his wife was always losing her teeth, so he had her make a spare key, and he put it under the tag on the screw. Screwed it down, and if she got locked out, she could take a coin and and unscrew it and get her spare key. Okay. So I found out that's what Mom did. I had told her about it. She, She did it. And thankfully, they didn't get the right side. Hmm. So after that, we blocked the car in. Okay. With her other car that had been stolen and was found abandoned on the side of the road. She had another car that got stolen. Yes. When did that get stolen? Uh, oh, it got stolen before she, before she disappeared. Because she had a police report out on it. Who do you think stole it? Oh, one of my brother's friends. <laughs> oh, really? All right. We still haven't yeah. talked about your other brother. Your brother. Okay. So, Larry, did uh, you or your husband ever try to just drive right down there to where Larry was and ask him, hey, what the heck are you doing? No, because the police advised, advised us not to. Did you ever call the police and say, hey, Larry's down the street scoping us out? Yes, I did. Uh, But, you know, since they had told me that it was not their jurisdiction, I I called the Columbus police and I said, look, I said, is it your jurisdiction now that there's a man sitting down at the empty house watching my every move? Mm -hmm. And now I'm having weird things happening to my mother's car. Yeah. And they came up and talked to me, but they said all they could do was put a patrol coming around every so often to check on the house. How long did that last before uh, you didn't see Larry down there anymore? Uh, When I heard he got arrested the next time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so he got arrested and that's why he couldn't come uh, and, and stalk you and your husband anymore. Right. Okay. All right. Um, what uh, did you ever have an opportunity one on one to speak with Larry about any of this? No. Anybody else, Millie? Anybody else in your family ever have a chance to speak to Larry one on one at the time about any of this at all? No, but I I often wondered what would have happened if when I visited her down there if I had seen him because I look quite a bit like her and mm. see if he could would have freaked out huh. okay. but I never got the opportunity okay. I did mm-hmm. I did in 1990 no it was later than that it was 2005 and what um, happened we went, I was going <coughs> into a restaurant over in Phoenix City that we went to every morning uh, my husband and I walked in there, and he was walking out, and he turned around and did a double take and looked like he had seen a ghost when he saw me. Wow. And he didn't want to talk to you, and that was that. That is the closest I have come to him since I broke up with him, except for when I went to visit him and to go to, to her wedding. Okay. 
All right. What is uh, is Larry still alive? As far as I know. Okay. So is he still down in that area of Columbus, Georgia, or where is he? Well, you know, I went on the I went on Google search and I searched him up, and he came up, and uh, it says he is no longer incarcerated. Okay. And he doesn't look anything like the last time oh, I saw him. He looks horrible. Yeah. Okay. Now, we'll have to move on to this, and I realize this is a family member, and I know that, of course, the listeners by this point, very suspicious of Larry, a lot of strange things going on here. Can't deny that he makes a very good suspect in all of this. Uh, let's just say he had a lot to gain with Evelyn going missing, especially since this lawsuit or what uh, something was going to be happening. But, uh, W, you have talked about your... Of course, your brother, uh, your other brother, the one that wasn't uh, involved in this accident, but your other brother. Um, you know, uh, you've told me that, of course, you've told me that he was friends with Larry, but you've also said that once you, uh, Evelyn went missing, he moved into the house and did a lot of questionable things. So, right, you know... Uh, you know what? What do you want to say about this? I realize he's a family member. I don't know if you get you get together with the Christmas or New Year's or anything like that with him, but I have no. to ask. What What can you say? I can say I have suspected him of being involved from the time that she disappeared because when I called him and told him that she was missing, he acted like he was like he was surprised, but it was like. The next day he was down here and he had just quit a job in Atlanta making $15 an hour at that time. That mm -hmm. was good money back then. Yeah. And he gave up his job to come back to, so he could live in her house rent-free without paying bills, without doing anything. All he had to do was provide food and he was providing food out of her bank account. Did he, uh, was there any understanding that if Evelyn died let's say she died in a car accident that he would get to move back into her place and live there by himself was there any agreement between any of your all of your family that that should happen no did evelyn did evelyn even have any sort of will or no. trust or anything regarding any of her finances or house or anything like that no okay and that really surprised well, yes, she me did. yes she did it was to be split between me and James. Okay. And Millie, what were you going to say, Millie? Please. She was so smart that I thought she would have had life insurance. We never found it. And, you know, that type of thing. And we couldn't find anything. Hmm. So, so uh, I don't know. He, I, he got rid of a lot of his, her paperwork before we got to it. Is that correct, Ed? Yeah, James told me that Mom had had uh, life insurance papers in that in that safety deposit box, but I don't know how true that was. Okay. Uh, how? Where was he living um, at the time of Evelyn's disappearance? How far away? He was living in Atlanta. Okay. And we're in Columbus, which is a, a little over a hundred miles. Okay. How, in your opinion, what, what kind of relationship did Evelyn have with your brother? Oh, he was her, he was her 
um, pride and joy. He was, mm-hmm. he was, uh, he was babied from the time he was 10 because he got shot when he was 10 years old. Oh my goodness. And they almost lost it. Shot by accident? accident that happened and Shot by he, uh, Was he shot he by shot accident? By, yeah, my my older brother's the one that deceased brother, mm. uh, his girlfriend at the time, her brother they all went out to the firing range out of Fort Benning and they were shooting the gun and they come back to the house and the boy was playing with it, basically. Oh boy. He, oh boy. he uh, pointed the gun at my brother's head. My brother threw his arm up and jumped back. Well, that one, it just clicked and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. But he pumped it up again, and when he pumped it up, uh, he pointed it back at James, and James threw his arm up again, and it went off, and it caught him in his forearm, his oh upper arm, his chest, everywhere. Oh, my goodness. And... He was 10 years old, and it was two days after Christmas, or three days after Christmas. Oh, my. All right. So, uh, all right. So, he finds out that his mother's missing, and already he's moving into her place, and you told me that he was writing checks on her account, bouncing checks or something? He was writing checks. Uh, He wrote a total of $2,200 for some tires and stuff. Um... Mm-hmm. Did you ever talk to him about this? Asking him, hey, what's up? He says, oh, mom told me I could do that. I said, you had to forge her signature. Uh, well, I'm on her account. I said, no, you're not. I said, neither am I. Mm-hmm. Now, I was on the uh, safety deposit box. I had just not gotten down there to sign it because she never did tell me when to go down and sign it. Mm-hmm. But my name was on there. So that's why they allowed me to go ahead and drill it open. Okay. But he was, was not on the account, and they just basically told him, well, don't do it again. Were James and no, Larry like, friends? Yeah. Did they get along well? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And how, old, and how old was James at the time of his mother's disappearance? How old was he? Ooh, he was already grown then. Mm-hmm. Back when I was dating him, Larry, James was about 15. Mm-hmm. And he got in trouble with Larry because Larry had done a burglary and stolen uh, light fixtures, kitchen light fixtures out of a house that was being built. And... Evidently, the police had it staked out or something and saw who was doing it and followed him right straight back to my mama's house. Wow. And he had already hung some lighting fixtures in her kitchen. (laughs) So they proceeded to take the fixtures out of my mama's house as evidence. Oh, my gosh. But it sounds to me that James and Larry got along a lot better than you and Larry got along. Of course, I know you were a couple one time, but you know what I mean. Oh, I couldn't stand him. Mm-hmm. Okay. I could not stand him. I knew how he was. I knew he was no good for mom. I warned her about him, and she sat there. She said, well, he's, he's a Christian now. Mm-hmm. 
And I told her, I said, Mom, leopards don't change their spots. Millie, what, yeah. you have anything to say about your nephew James? Any, your contact with him over the years, your communications? What has he ever said to you about Evelyn's disappearance? He says he didn't ever have anything to do with it. When we went back for his, they came back to Carbondale, which is where his grandmother lived. And we all sat around talking and he swore he didn't have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can't, you can't believe anything he says. Okay. Does he ever, uh, was, has he been involved in crimes over the years? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, drugs have a lot to do with that stuff. Okay, too. so yes. he drugs, okay. Uh, how is, how long did he end up living in Evelyn's house? What, and why did a he end up? A year and a half. A year and a half. Yeah. And why and did he? And then ran out. To we the got an eviction notice saying oh, that they would be evicted because, for non-payment, that was because all the money had been depleted because he was living there. Oh my goodness. And they took her payments out automatically. Right. Didn't they? right. Her, mor her mortgage payments? Like her mortgage payments? Yes. Right. All right, so once all the money was gone, James was gone. Right. Well, the police were looking at him, too, because mm. uh, he was having too much traffic over at the house. and yeah. uh, He was having drug parties over there. Okay. Do you know if, uh, I guess maybe Larry went back to jail or anything or something, but do you think if Larry ever showed up to any of these parties? I don't know. Dawn was always on the lookout for him. Okay. The girl, the girl next door, mm -hmm. but she never called me and told me she saw him. Did James, James uh, went, in, in talking James to, went to jail for please drugs, didn't he? Huh? James went to jail for drugs. Oh yeah, he's been jailed several times for drugs. Okay. Did James, uh, did you ever, either of you ever ask him? I know he said he didn't have anything to do with it, but did he ever plot, uh, uh, say he had an alibi for November 30th, 1994? He was supposedly in Atlanta working. Okay. I don't know if they ever checked it out. Right. Because, like I said, I don't think they ever really talked to him. No. They didn't even hardly talk to Larry, so why would they talk to James? <laughs> They only talked to me because I bugged the hell out of them. Yeah, I, I, I got that feeling. Yeah, I got that feeling for sure. So, okay. Um, let's move on to this. We'll just uh, get here toward the end of the interview now. Um, maybe I'll start with Millie. How has this affected you? You lost your sister almost 30 years ago. Millie, how has this affected you personally over the last 30 years? Just, I think of her every day. I have her face on my phone, mm -hmm. and, you know, I can cry at a drop of a hat. Yeah. She's been tough, very, very tough. Yeah. We watch that, you know, we watch ID all the time, and, yeah. and I, talk, I called, or I wrote to Unsolved Mysteries, and we tried all kinds of things, and there's nothing. Yeah. They did an Unsolved Mysteries episode. They did? They That's did? What, yeah, Stephen had told me about it, but I never could get a hold of it. But he told me, mm -hmm. that's what he was trying to tell me while I got out of the, 
uh, Unsolved Mysteries season three something. Okay. It was about uh, mom's disappearance. So this would have been back in the 90s sometime? Yeah. Okay. Well, I wrote him a big long letter when I when I caught when I wrote to him, gave him all mm -hmm. the details that I knew at the time. But they said that they had so many people that they had yeah. to get through that let me know if they needed it. Yeah, they get a lot of. Well, requests. Ed, let me give you another another story here, real quick. Please. My, uh, I went on the Sally Jesse Raphael show in 1996. Huh. September 1996. She had Sylvia Brown on there. Yeah, we, uh, unfortunately, we can't. We don't do psychics on Unfound. We, we don't discuss that stuff. I don't believe in it, so we don't discuss it. If you went on Sally, Jesse, Raphael, that's good. But as soon as you start talking about Elizabeth Brown, I have to cut you off. We just don't do that here. Um, in fact, I have a very, um, uh, you know, negative uh, attitude toward them. They don't solve disappearances. So we'll move on. I'll just ask you the same question, Debbie. Um, you know, how has this affected you? Of course, Evelyn's your mother. I know that, you know, this is an interview. I can tell you got a, um, very emotional, uh, during this interview. Totally, totally understandable. Um, you know, how has this affected you? Maybe just being that you, you live in the area and you have lived in the area. Maybe you can talk about other family members and how it has affected them. Well, I know my kids. You know, they were very, very small when she disappeared. Mm -hmm. My daughter uh, thinks about her all the time, wondering what her grandma would be like. And I know Stephen really misses her. And, you know, he was young when she disappeared also. But he was old enough to remember her. My mm -hmm. son doesn't remember her real well. My mm -hmm. oldest daughter... She loved her grandma. She loved going in there and getting my mama's makeup and put makeup on and putting her wig on and running around uh. the house acting crazy. And I've got one picture of her that was so funny because mom came in. She, she had on this little outfit that looked like a little kimono. And uh, she had mom's wig on and had gone in there and put makeup on and she just stood there and posed for mom. Huh. And that was one of mom's favorite pictures. But, um, mm -hmm. I miss her so bad. And not get what happened to her is the worst part. Debbie, let me, let me mention something. Right at the first, every, every anniversary date, you would get a call. Yes. I don't think we discussed that before. No, Please. we didn't. Go ahead. What kind of call? It was a weird... Uh, it was always like a whisper. And that was several years. Yeah. Uh, several years in a row. On November 30th, I would mm -hmm. always get them. But I couldn't tell whether it was a man or a woman. What did the whisper say? I don't remember. I know you were very upset, but I yeah. don't remember the wording. Um, 
Hmm. I can't even remember anymore. Okay. You know, I, I have to admit, this is, uh, this is I wouldn't say it's common, but I think some of the other guests have spoken about this, getting very strange phone calls after disappearance, like on an anniversary or something. Mm. I, I usually dismiss it as either a, a prank, of course, or the actual, if we believe there was foul play, that's the person who did it who's doing it, you know, to harass uh, the survivors, uh, you know, usually breaks down into two different categories, a little hard to tell which without having more details but that happens it's, it's yeah. you know I, I just know it very it was very upsetting yeah i know i know i i, I can understand that makes all the sense every in the world. time i would get a call i would call or and ellie would you usually call me did you get any calls yet <laughs> okay it's crazy yeah do you have a Facebook page? Of course, I think the way I found out about Evelyn's disappearance is because of Stephen, who we've talked about, um, him contacting me. I think that's how it originally happened, that found out about Unfound, and he said that his grandmother went missing, and this is how we all came together. And Stephen, I know, has been in the background uh, at, at, at Debbie's uh, for, this, for this interview tonight. Um, but do you have a Facebook page or website, anything like that, set up for Evelyn's disappearance? I don't know how to do that. Okay. Steven knows how. Yeah, well, I think you should probably get on Steven to um, do that. I think it's worthwhile. Uh, I, you know, Somebody's even... got to know something. Yeah. Somebody has to know something. Yeah, and I think one of the ways you do that is you raise the profile of the disappearance. Of course, being on Unfound certainly helps. Uh, but, you know, creating a Facebook page so you can share it with people, you know, people in the Columbus, Georgia area. Um, you know, you might run into some people who also have Larry stories, which might be helpful. Those That happens too. But you, you definitely have to do as much as you can to raise the profile um, of her disappearance, especially now that it's, you know, we've just passed the 28th anniversary. So if Stephen knows, you know, Stephen I know is on Facebook. That's how we connected. I'm sure he can figure out how to do that. And so that's something I would certainly recommend. And, and dare I say, I should also tell everybody that um, getting to know Stephen, and, you know, he wasn't interviewed here because he was only 12 at the time. And, of course, you were both adults at the time, uh, a sister, uh, a daughter, at the time, but Stephen is getting uh, into scuba diving, and I think he's going to be doing something along the lines of of adventures with purpose, where uh, going out and trying to find missing people who might have gone into rivers and lakes in their vehicles. Stephen and I have talked about that, so I wanted to give him a shout out. Uh, certainly, need more people doing that, and so I want to give him a shout out uh, for that. Uh, ladies, any final words before we complete this interview? Well, I know Debbie has tried several times to get the newspapers down there to run yeah. stories, and they wouldn't do it. Just, yeah, you got to, I, I know it's frustrating. You'd think that this would be the type of story that, that they would jump on, but even my experience is it's not. You just have to keep at it. And probably the, the um, unfortunately, we just passed November 30th, but... The easiest time to do that, the most likely time to get that done is right around an anniversary. And that's what I tried to do. Yeah. I tried to reach out to the um, 
to the uh, news station mm. that first covered her disappearance. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't get anybody to respond. But with this COVID restrictions and everything, you know, you never know whether you're going to get a response back from anybody or not. Yeah. I think it's worth the while. I know it's frustrating that they ignore you, but you just got to keep trying. And if they're not going to respond to emails, you just got to start calling. And, you know, it's too easy these days for people to hide behind emails and just say, well, I can blow it off, I can blow it off. But calling somebody over and over and over is much more likely to get a response. So I would not give up on you that. You know what? I talked to my senator... Strom Thurmond. Wow, that was years ago. South Carolina. Yeah. About something that affected my husband. So when he told me that, you know, he recommended I talk to somebody else, and and he put me on to when I when mom disappeared, I called him again. Mm -hmm. Just because we had lived up there, and he spoke with me and told me he says. Well, what you need to do is you need to call the White House. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that must have been a while. Yeah, that must have been a while ago. I think Strom Thurmond's been deceased for a while. But contacting local politicians is never a bad idea. If you're not getting a response (laughs) from the media, I'm all for contacting the mayor, the council, a state representative. I'm all for contacting all of them. Well, I not only talked to Strom Thurmond and he told me to call the White House, my husband got on the phone and called the White House. And somebody actually talked to him. And he asked them, he says, now why can't we get anything done? Yeah. We are having the hardest time getting anybody to respond to us. And I have known Sheriff Jay Jones for many, many, many years. Like, I met him in, like, 1981 when I first moved out to my mother's house with her after my divorce. And uh, I met him mm-hmm. then. He was he was a little, uh, well, he was a peon in the sheriff's department. <laughs> now he's sheriff. But he had told me back then, he says, if there's anything I can ever do for you, please let me know. Mm -hmm. When she came up missing, I called him and I told him, I said, look, I said, my mother is missing. I said, I'm trying to find out what's going on. Is anybody investigating this case? He says, oh, yes, we have uh, James Majors working on it and Van... um, What's his name? I can't remember. Oh, uh, man, something. But uh, James Majors was the only one I ever spoke to. I didn't talk to Van until late, 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 uh, back in 2000-something. Uh, it was, I guess, 2010. They came down here and took a mitochondrial DNA sample from me. Hmm. So, uh, okay. they can swab my cheeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, Debbie, any final words? I hope this does some good. Okay. I hope it reaches out to somebody, and somebody might remember something years from mm-hmm. now. Okay. Uh, years ago. Well, I appreciate you Me being... Too. Yeah, please. 
I was just going to say, me too. I saw a thing on ID the other day. They found somebody after 30 years. It happens. So there's still, there's it still hope. No, it happens. Absolutely happens. We had a disappearance that ended up being a murder from 1989 that got solved. <clears throat> we covered it, and then uh, maybe 2019 it got solved. So these things happen. Well, see, we have always been hopeful that Larry would run his mouth in prison and that somebody would say, hey, I'll, you know, mm -hmm. I'll tell you this if you make me a deal, you know, that uh, he had, because he was a braggart. He loved to brag about things he did. Yeah. Well, I appreciate both of you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. You're very welcome. And that was my combined January 4th, 2023 interviews with Debbie Moore, Evelyn Piper's daughter, and Millie Potter, Evelyn's sister. I thank them both for being on this episode. All by itself, that Evelyn didn't have a passport should undermine the idea that she was really going to Israel. At the time in 1994, Evelyn could have gotten into Canada without a passport. You can't do that now, but certainly not Israel. More to the point, Evelyn herself surely knew she didn't have a passport, and she had to know she needed one to get into that country, meaning her statement makes no sense. Furthermore, Evelyn had to believe that her family would also eventually find out she didn't have a passport, thus conflicting with what she told Debbie. What does this mean? Without knowing any of the other information regarding Evelyn's disappearance, the passport topic alone is enough to prove that Evelyn was not going to Israel, was not flying anywhere, at least outside of the country, and was certainly not getting married to anyone. Yet, going along with the theme of this episode, in that second conversation, Evelyn gave a signal that the Israel trip was a lie. What was it? Evelyn acted like she and Debbie had not spoken yet that day, despite them talking just 15 minutes before that. Yes, easy to see now. Hindsight is 2020 easy for all of us to talk in 2023. And nobody is blaming Debbie for not picking up what could be seen now as a warning sign that Evelyn was trying to give to Debbie. As for everything else, Evelyn at the bank, her purse found in another state, a few things missing from her house, her going back to court to get money from her ex, a guy being seen running across the runway one of the most bizarre things I've heard in the last six years. And I must mention, Evelyn's own son's reputation and criminal record, these are all very bad signs, of course. Certainly makes foul play seem the most likely possibility. Yet Evelyn is still missing, and nobody has been charged with anything. Why? Good question. I'll try to answer that and expound on other topics concerning Evelyn's case by using a lot of words over on the blog at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. If you've ever wondered 
really truly what's going on inside my head for all of Unfound's disappearances, the blog is the best way to find out. Sign up now. It should be finished and posted by the evening of January 8th. As always, though, I leave the public theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.